Hmm. You know, um, my name's Nathan, for any of you that don't know. And uh, I'm 20 years old. And I've been traveling, leading worship for the past 10 years. And it's been a privilege and an honor everywhere I've gotten to go. Getting to share the love of Jesus through music since I was really young. And, um, and that kind of grew into traveling at the age of 12. And I was traveling, leading worship, doing prophetic stuff. And traveling all over, doing that. And my heart was, I'm going to be a worship leader. I'm going to be a famous worship leader one day, Paul. And you're going to come with me. <laughs> and I had my friends, and I, and I knew where I was going to go, and I had a feeling like I knew what I was going to do. And then all of a sudden, I'm 13 years old, and I lose my voice. And medically, and um, they're like, no, you can't sing. It'd be, you can't sing for five months. Um, and if you ever get your voice back again, it's not going to be good. And uh, I went through this four or five-month period of not humming a note and, and just really learning, you know, to trust God at the age of 14. And um, I got my voice back. I started traveling again at 14, 15. And um, 15 years old, something really crazy happened to me. It kind of changed my life for the rest of my life. And um, at 15, I was playing my guitar on a beach because we were having a beach baptism. And I have two younger sisters. And the youngest one, she was 10 years old at the time. And she was going to be 11 real soon. And um, she couldn't walk because she had a condition that caused her to be in a wheelchair. And so she was in this wheelchair, unable to stand. And if she stood, it'd cause crazy pain to go up her legs. And she couldn't stand for more than a second. So she'd go back in the wheelchair. And they said that it was going to get progressively worse and worse in both feet that 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 tendon wouldn't grow and uh it was a rare disease not a lot of people get it but she got it and um we didn't know what to do and 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 uh and I was very athletic my other sister was very athletic and my littler sister she was wanting to be athletic too so she would always tell me and my dad specifically she would say one day I'm going to be a dancer and my my dad would have to look at my little sister and say I yeah in Jesus' name, and kind of by faith, kind of hope. One day, um, I was 15 playing my guitar on a beach. We we're having a baptism, and Lizzie goes and gets in the water, and she gets baptized, and she, gets, she crawls in because she can crawl on her knees, and so she crawls in to the water, and then they take her to the baptism, and then they take her back, and she's at the shore of the water. She's on her knees, and for the first time in her life, she, des- she describes it as this. It's never happened to me before, but it happened to her, and so I don't know if it's happened to you, but this is the story, and we're sticking to it. Um, she heard an audible voice of God right there on the shore of the water. And God told my sister, he said, Lizzie, stand up and walk. And uh, Lizzie literally took a step of faith, literally, and uh, put her feet down, stood up and walked out of the water and never went back to the wheelchair. No one prayed for her. No one laid hands on her. I had led worship at this point all over for lots of people. And uh, I thought I was going to be just this worship leader and stuff. And I led worship for lots of really well-known evangelists and all that stuff. And actually, in fact, I was the worship leader who led worship and just went into the back in the green room and waited for the next set to start. So I actually didn't even listen to the messages ever. I just did what I'd do, you know, and that's go up, play guitar, sing, play piano, sing, and get off. And... Uh, um, this day that happened, I was so, you would say gobsmacked here. 
I was so I was at a loss of words, and I had three friends at the time, three really close friends, and and I, I said, guys, one of my friends could drive because I couldn't drive, and I said, listen, we're gonna get in a car and we're gonna go to Walmart. And we're going to go pray for sick people. Because if my sister just got healed right now, we're going to go into Walmart and pray for sick people. And so we're in the car, and I Google a verse because I didn't know it. So I Googled it, and it was Mark 16, 15. These signs shall follow those that believe. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast demons out, open the eyes of the blind, open the ears of the deaf, all this stuff. And I looked at it, and I was like, that'll work. I believe And I crossed out, these signs shall follow those that believe. I took my pen and I crossed it out. I said, these signs will follow Nathan. And so I wrote that down in my Bible and I just took that. And that was the one verse I had. And I just went into Walmart and we started praying for people. But as awkward as you could imagine, as we had no people skills whatsoever, we're 15, 16 years old, you know, and, you know, at best we're trying to prank somebody. I'm sure that's what they were thinking as we would come up about as awkward as you could imagine and say, excuse me, sir ma'am, do you have any sickness in your body? Are you hurting? No. And they'd walk away. They'd be like, they'd be like, don't talk to them, honey. Don't. And uh, we eventually got to pray for a few um, people that I feel sorry for now. Um, (laughs) As they had to be the first people uh, that we practiced this on. <laughs> and um, we prayed for a few people. My friends started seeing people getting healed. And I was so amazed that he started seeing people get healed. In fact, one time, this is what really inspired me. I was hanging out with him. Um, this is about a month later. My sister's still out of the wheelchair. And at this point, my sister becomes a dancer. She goes into this dance academy, and um, she'd been doing some YouTube stuff up until uh, she got this appointment to start dancing. And she gets into the dance studio, and the, and the dance instructor says, you know, there's no way you've never danced before. There's just no way. And she's like, no, we, actually, she was in a wheelchair. And we showed him the, ev- the doctor's evidence and how she literally miraculously got healed. And so the dance instructor said, I've never seen this before, so... Um, I want you to join our, I want you to join our competitive team, my little sister. And my mom goes, we don't have money for that. <laughs> and so, and the dance instructor goes, well, how, how, how much, how many lessons can you afford to, to give her? And they're like, we can afford one hour once a week. And, and he said, okay, I'm going to give you unlimited hours every week. And I'm going to have you join the comp- competition team for the price of one hour every week. And so my sister started dancing from one hour a week for two weeks to then all of a sudden to 36 to 40 hours a week dancing. And now that's what she does. And she travels all over the United States dancing, competing, winning competitions, getting endorsements, getting scholarships to go all over the United States to dance. And five years later, she, four or four years later, she's been dancing. She's been winning competitions, and she's, at, she's in the dance studio, and a friend of hers will hurt their knee or their ankle, and she'll be in the back room waiting for her to go on for her turn, and she'll be praying for them, for them to get healed. And so now she's out there taking the love of Jesus to the dance world because God healed her, and she gets to tell her story to everybody that she sees. She gets to say, I was in a wheelchair once. And God healed me, and that's why I dance. And then they'll interview her, and they'll say, so why, why do you dance? What's your, what's your reason for dancing? And she'll say, well, I dance with the angels for Jesus because he healed me because I couldn't stand before. And that's just her story. And so she's beginning this journey, and I'm beginning my journey, and I'm in Walmart. So my, my journey is I'm in, like, the, the produce section of Walmart. She's having this glamorous, you know, awesome favor there. I'm not so much. I'm praying in the produce section, and I'll finally get one person to talk to me, 
And I'll be like, can I pray for you? And do you have back pain? Pray for them. And the back pain won't leave. And I'm like, dang it. All right, well, thank you so much. <laughs> have a great day. And then I finally talked to about 10, 15 more people. No one wants to talk to me. And then eventually there's that one again. He has a knee problem. All right, let's pray for your knee problem. In the name of Jesus, knee pain, go. How is it? It's still there. All right, dang it. All right, have a good day. And this went on and on and on and on and on. And, um, and, but I'm just going for this because I saw my friend one day. He took a pencil, and this was Halloween. This is about two months later after this baptism. On Halloween day, we decided to go to a, a fall festival. And we're going there, and we're like, let's go pray for people there. At this point, I've been talking to more people, so I'm not as awkward I'm talking to random people. So I said, let's go talk to people there at the, the fall festival. We go there, and my friend finds these, um, these three friends, and uh, one of the friends had asthma. And so my friend goes, well, God can heal you of asthma. And the guys go, really? I don't really believe in God. And my friend goes, that's okay. God can heal you of asthma. And so my friend said, he can do it so easily that actually I'm not even going to pray for you. And I'm going, you're not even going to pray for him. I'm like, that's not what? And I'm like, I got to go read this thing again. And uh, he's like, I'm not even going to pray for you. And he takes this pencil off of a table. And he takes the pencil and he says, I'm going to pray over this pencil. And I'm going to pray that when you touch this pencil, you're going to be healed of asthma. And so the guy takes the pencil prays for it and says, it's a funny looking thing. Like imagine, imagine you're random people and we walked up to you and now we're praying over a pencil. Let me think about it. Father, in the name of Jesus, heal this guy by putting the healing in this book and that when he touches it, he'll be healed. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. So gives the person the pencil and then he, t he gives them the pencil, takes the pencil right away back. Like literally, one second. He says, okay, go run. And the friends are like, go run? And he's like, he's like, yeah, go run. I'll run with you. So my friend goes and runs. I'm waiting with the other two friends. And uh, I'm, now, I'm now having to do the chit-chat. So I'm having to explain this whole pencil thing. I'm like, yeah, 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 God can do it. And I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I've never seen this happen before. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is intense. You know, I barely got the whole praying for people with back pain down thing, you know. And so um, they come back, they run around the whole building. It was a really, really big building, about as big as this building. And they run outside, they run around the whole building, and they come back a few minutes later. And all of a sudden, the guy that, got, that had the asthma is coming back, and he's crying. He's coming back. He's breathing really heavy, and he's crying. I'm like, did we hurt him? I'm like, uh-oh. His friends are going, what's going on? Because this is, you know, this is the guy. You know, we, we, we don't cry. <laughs> we don't cry in front of our friends. That's just weird. Girls do that, though. That's, off. that's funny. That's funny. Girls, 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 girls will do that, and, uh, and that's just totally normal. Yeah, we cried and did our nails and did our hair and... Yeah, it was a great day. <laughs> what? <laughs> if we had a whole bunch of guys, yeah, we cried, and we, I, don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what that would sound like, uh, like a recovery meeting or something. Um, anyway, <laughs> lost track there. So the guy comes back, and he's crying, and, um, and I go, what happened? And the guy's like, I haven't been able to run in 10 years. He's like, I haven't been able to run since I was a kid. This kid's like about 19 years old. He's like, I haven't been able to run since I was a kid. And I was like, how do you feel? He's like, I feel good. I can breathe. 
And my friend goes, see, told you God could heal you. And I go to my, and, and, and I'm like, and we, we say, God bless you, have a good night. I'm walking with my friend, I'm like, what was that? What just happened? And he's like, he's like, faith. I was like, have you ever done that before? He's like, no, but I figured I'd try. I was like, what gave you the idea? He's like, I really didn't know. I saw the pencil. I figured I'd try to do it. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, well, I was reading the other day how Paul would pray for these napkins and hand people. So I saw the pencil, and I was like, I'm going to do it. And so I was like, wow, that's crazy. And he said, yeah, because the other day I tried what Peter did, and it worked. I'm like, you tried what Peter did, and it worked. What? And um, I'm just telling you my background, my story. This is where I came from. Um, and uh, um, you tried what Peter did, and it worked. He's like, yeah, I was at school, and this girl came up to me, and, and she knew me, and she knew that I tried praying for people at school. This kid's 17 years old, this, this kid I'm talking about. Um, he, he, she came to me at school, and, she's, and she was kind of like having a hard time. She was kind of crying, really having a hard day, and I asked her what was going on. She's like, well, I have a medical condition. I have a, I have, I have a hole in my heart, a physical hole about the size of a, a quarter, which would be like a, a 10 pence kind of coin, that big in her heart, a hole, physical. And she's like, and it causes me problems, and the doctors are saying this about my future and everything. And um, this girl's at school, in a, in, a, in a public high school, like a college, you know, public. And she comes up to him, and, and my friend goes, and it was a cloudy day, and this is what my friend's telling me. He said, well, I was going to go pray for her, and then all of a sudden the sun came out, and I saw my shadow, and I was just reading how Peter's shadow would heal the sick. So I said I figured I'd try it. So he said, hey, I'm not going to pray for you. Stand right there, and I'm going to walk past you, and when my shadow touches you, you're going to be healed. So he stands him down. It's a cloudy day. All of a sudden, the clouds break open. Sun's there, and he's like, sun, shadow. Let's try what Peter did. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I'm like listening to this going, what? Like, I'm having a hard time with the whole praying for people in Walmart. Like, like you're like, <laughs> and so he walks past her with his shadow, and, and, uh, and, and, and then that was it. That was it, literally this simple. All right. I hope you're better. A few days later, um, this was two days later. This, so this was right before Halloween, because the story was done by the time that came. Right before um, the girl comes up to him, and she comes up to, to my friend, and this time she was like crying and laughing, this person, this friend. She comes up to him, and she's go, she goes, oh my gosh, and she's got these papers, and in her hand are papers of x-rays from the doctor, and the doctor has no idea what happened, but there was a hole in her heart three days ago, and now there's not a hole in her heart, and they don't know what happened, and she knew what happened. That somebody, that somebody with enough faith was willing to walk past with their shadow and believe that God could heal them with the shadow. It's faith. So I'm listening to this going, whoa, 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 hang on. That's crazy. That's crazy. And so my friend's like, yeah, no, it is pretty crazy. And I, and I would ask him a question, and, and, and he would be like, what'd you say? And I'd, be like, and I'd have to repeat it, because all the time I'd have to repeat my questions, because he, he only had 30% hearing in both ears. He was out there praying for sick people, praying for people all the time, and he had 30% hearing. He was 70% deaf in both ears. And, he, and you know what he would say? He'd say, God's going to heal me one day, but until then, I'm going to pray for everybody I see. And I was like, wow, wow. 
So, I, so this is where I came from. This is my background. This is, this is you know, how it started. So um, I started praying for people, and I didn't see people healed like my friend did. My friend saw lots of people healed. I did not. So, but here was, here was what I said to people. I said, well, as long as my sister is still standing and walking and dancing, I'm going to pray for sick people. Because if God could heal her and she's still healed, then I'm going to pray for them. So I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Weeks and months go by. Eventually, people started getting healed. And then people with back pain started getting healed. People with headaches started getting healed. Shoulder pain started getting healed. And here's how it would happen. I'd be getting my groceries in Walmart, right? And I'd be getting my groceries. And I'd talk to the person at the till, at the register. And, I'd, and, and, I, and I would ask them, hey, do you have any pain in your body? Oh, yeah, my feet hurt. I've been standing all day. Here, take my hand right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray no more feet pain. Check your feet. And it would be that simple while they're bagging my groceries. I didn't go out of my way at all. I just opened my mouth doing what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden people started getting healed of foot pain in, in Walmart and Starbucks, wherever I was going. Actually, that was the common thing to do whenever you go up to a worker to ask them if their feet are hurting because they've been standing all day. And to just pray for them for that. And uh, I started going for a while, and I started seeing lots of people get healed. And so me and my three friends, um, the, the, the four of us grew to a lot of us. And so we went from four to a lot of people. We would go out every Saturday, and we'd go out and pray for sick people. We'd see tons of people healed all the time. We'd see people get set free, delivered of stuff all the time. We saw people come out of, like, wheelchairs, out of depression, out of crutches, out of broken, like, uh, like casts and stuff like that. We saw crazy stuff happen. And then one day, I went out all by myself and I went out and I prayed for about like I over exaggerate sometimes so I prayed for like a hundred people in reality it could have been maybe 15 but we'll just say it was a hundred people so I went out and prayed for a hundred people right and I'm sitting down on my piano and I'm like having a good time with God and I'm like God wow we prayed for a hundred people they got healed and whatever and then God kind of comes in the room really gently and, and he just says hey do you remember anybody's name of anybody you prayed for and immediately my mind went blank and I was like uh I don't know. And then I realized I never asked anybody for their name because I wasn't doing it for them. I was just doing it to pray for them. So then he says to me, he said, Nathan, why are you doing this? And I said, I don't know. When God starts asking you questions, man, <laughs> I don't know if that's ever happened with you. But when God starts asking you questions, it's really, it's pretty interesting. It's kind of always sarcastic. It kind of has that kind of feel, but it's always gentle. So why are you doing this then? And I'm like, well, you told me to. And he said, he said, he said, you're not loving them. You're not doing it to love them. And I was kind of just like rocked. And so I went to my Bible and I started, um, I started reading it and I started coming across um, all these scriptures that talked about love and how Jesus just told us to love one another. And I realized how little I was doing that. And I'd been praying for people on the streets for three years, seeing amazing things happen in the UK, came to the UK during that. You know, I'd seen people healed all over the place in airplanes and buses. And I thought I was all that. And then some, man. Because if your heart's not in a place of gratitude and these things come, you're going to get a big head and that's not good. You're going to get a big head because then the enemy's going to come and you're not going to know how to resist him because you're going to try to pray him away. And shakaba, go in Jesus' name. And you're going to try to pray him away when Jesus said, listen, it's your submission to God that's that 
that's the resistance that the devil. Submit to God. That's your, that's your resistance. You don't have to like pray him to go away. You just submit to God. But then sometimes we get a, a big head and then we start to like fight all these fights that we don't have to fight because we're not, we don't know how to submit ourselves to God and humble ourselves and get to God and be in a place of gratitude. Because then when things come, we just, we rival up our heads and, and we're like, hey, what's going on with this stuff? My life's, go, my life's falling apart and, and we complain about it and we have all these problems with what's going on and we don't understand that Jesus said, literally count it joy that you go through these things because in these things, I'm going to show the world the virtue of love that I placed inside of you. But we don't know that be, because we tend to think of our lives being circumstantially and experience-based. We don't think of our lives by faith. It doesn't say that the righteous and the just will live by experience. It says that the righteous and the just live by Faith, yeah. Well, for you to need faith, it has to require you to have a little bit of ex- uh, a little experience compared to what you need faith for. So, like, you need to walk by faith. But sometimes we think so logically and so um, humanistically that we're like, "Well, this makes sense. We have to do this because we have to." And then you really break that down of why do you have to? And you're like, "Wow, I actually don't know why I have to. I just kind of grew up." being told that I have to, that this is the way that it is. But it's really not. Jesus said, listen, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. So if I've been denied, how can I be offended? If I've been denied, how can I pick up offense from you? I'm so free from who I am that I'm free from you. I got so free from me that I'm free from you. So now that I'm free from you, I can actually give something to you without any strings attached because I'm not bound to myself anymore and I don't need your recognition and I don't need your um, appreciation or your praise for it. So now I can go out on the streets and I don't need the response from people that I needed before and now I don't feel discouraged when people reject what I have to bring because what I'm bringing is not my identity and my value. My identity and my value is in the cross and that'll never be taken from me. You did not give me my acceptance and my adoption. So how can you take from me something you never gave me? So if I'm standing now in freedom, then I don't need to do things to become who I am. I I become who I am and from being who I am, I do things. I don't work to become something. We have it kind of backwards. We work and then we rest. It says that to strive to enter into what? My rest. So from rest, we work. It says in Ephesians that every good thing that we're going to walk in has been laid out for us to walk in before the foundations of the earth, predestined in the goodness of Jesus, according to the pleasure of God. That that's who we are. So if all the good things I walk in have been predestined for me to walk in, why am I worrying about where I'm going? but I just need to trust. But we worry about where our feet are going. And that's the problem. Because if you start to worry about where your feet are going and where you're going, you're going to try to start to lead the the boat. You're going to start to drive the car. And when you start to drive the car is when you take Jesus' hands off the wheel and then all of a sudden you start to lead yourself in a place that you shouldn't be going because you're afraid of the cliff that's right there. But if you would just not look at the cliff and not look at your feet and just keep your eyes on Jesus, then he's going to lead you places that only faith can take you, that only trust can lead you in. Jesus, for the first time in his life, gave us insight into what his own life looked like in John 3. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus in John 3, and it's dark at night, says at the midnight hour, and he came to him, and, um, and Nicodemus is having this conversation with Jesus, and, and uh, um, Jesus says, listen, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus goes, what does this mean to be born again? 
what does this whole thing mean? Because in the, in the Old Testament, it, it's not written. It's not written that, you know, you must be born again. So Nicodemus is a, is a scholar, and he's going, I've never heard this term before, Jesus. What does it really mean? Like, imagine the first time you heard being born again. Like, you'd be confused. Like, we have at least a grid, you know, with Christianese and stuff like that. We have a grid for being born again. We can say it without it being weird. But imagine Jesus saying it. There was no grid. He created the grid right there. Born again, what does that mean? And um, Nicodemus is asking Jesus, and, and, and Jesus says to Nicodemus, hey, don't marvel to you that I said you must be born again. For the wind blows where it wishes, and you don't know where it comes from or where it's going, and so is the same of everybody that's led of the Spirit. And what I read in that was Jesus was giving us insight into his own life because who was born of the Spirit other than Jesus up until that time? Jesus. It was just Jesus. You can argue that maybe John was because he was baptized in the womb. But think about this. If Jesus was the one born of the Spirit, he was talking about himself in third person. He's saying, listen, I'm led by the wind, and I don't know where the wind comes from or where it's going, but I follow it. Jesus doesn't know. That's crazy. That's crazy. Now, Jesus gave us an example of how to live in every way. He even said it in John 13. He washed our feet, and then he says, I did this to be an example for you. Can you think of the humility in Jesus and the character of our king to do things to be an example for us? I mean, that's huge, man. That's huge. And I think to myself, I need to live that way. I need to be an example for you. I need to be an example for the people. I don't, I, I don't, have, the right to, I don't have the right to manifest how I feel. I have the right to manifest how my father feels. I can't afford to just live like Nathan would live. I, ha- I have to live like my father would live because I've been given that right. Jesus paid to way too high of a price for me to live the way I want to live. I get to live the way he is. I get to manifest the love of my father everywhere I go because I've been given the right to do it. And Jesus was taking this man in Mark 8. He's taking this man, this blind man out of the city. And they told the blind man, they said, they said Jesus... Um, we're going to get somewhere, I'm hoping. <laughs> and then Jesus is taking this blind man, and, and, he, and he takes this blind man and by the hand, and he leads him out of the city, and he leads him outside of his comfort zone, because the blind men in those times, they knew all the cracks, all the walls, all the, all the scenery, because you, you were blind, so you could only like go where you could feel the walls and stuff. And so this blind man's walking around, and he only knows the city, but then they say, hey, when the master touches you, you're going to be healed. And the blind man's kind of just listening, can't see. And then all of a sudden, this master comes, and Jesus sees that they're already prepping him for religion. They're already prepping him for this is how it's done. Jesus heals when he touches you. So when he touches you, you're going to be healed. And they're already prepping him for this way. All of a sudden, Jesus touches him and grabs his hand, but he still can't see. He's still blind. Even though they said that as soon as he touches you, you're going to be healed. And he takes the man's hand and he leads him outside of the city. And you got to think how scary that is because the whole life of this man, he only knows the city because he doesn't go out because outside there's nothing to grab. There's no, the blind men wouldn't go outside because they would get lost. And Jesus is leading this man outside the city, and then Jesus does something really funny. He, he kind of like my friend with the pen, he kind of just, I don't know if he either tried it and, and had the logic of my friend saying, hey, I had the idea, so I figured I'd try it, or if, you know, his father told him to do it. Um, but Jesus just goes and he goes, and spits in the guy's eye. <laughs> Can you imagine being blind? 
<laughs> laying out of the city, and they're telling you that this guy's going to heal you of blindness, and he leads you outside the city, you're already upset. You're already upset that you're outside the city. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you hear is you hear him, and this guy's making saliva in his mouth. And then he goes, and that's your eye. And then, again, that's the other eye. And you didn't even have any time to think about it. And then, and then the next thing you hear is Jesus going, can you see anything? <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> what that was like? <laughs> I would have been laughing. I would have been like, this is crazy. And all of a sudden the man says, I see men like trees. And then Jesus says, go wash in the pool and you'll be, you're, you're going to see. But really what I want to focus on in that story was Jesus was taking this blind man by the hand and he led him outside of the city. And what I want to focus on is right there in that part. If we can actually realize that Jesus did everything to be an example, everything he did was an example. I found that, in, in, and this is my opinion, that Jesus was showing us actually how his relationship is with his father. How Jesus was told us in John 3 that he's led blindly in a sense, in a, in a way. Listen, I'm following the winds, you know, I'm following wherever he sends me. And then he takes this blind man by the hand and he's, and he's leading this man. And can you imagine all the disciples and all the people saying, why isn't that guy healed yet? Why isn't that guy see? And you can think Jesus in his mind is going, I'm not trying to, sh I'm not trying to show you that I can heal him right now. I'm trying to show you how I'm led. I'm trying to show you how I lead. I'm trying to show you how you need to be. I'm trying to show you how my father works, but you don't see because all you want to see is the miracle. All you want to see is the healing, but I'm trying to show you how I actually work in the kingdom. You have to come blindly so that I can lead you to where your healing is going to be, to where your miracle is going to be, to where your destiny really is. And Jesus is leading this man, and no one can see the picture that he's really painting about how he is with the Father. And maybe even Jesus himself was that blind man, and the Father was Jesus leading Jesus through his life here on earth. And so when I read that, I go, oh my gosh, that was, that, that, that's really crazy. What are you saying, Nathan? What are you, what, what are you saying? To be, to be blind, close your eyes, walk around everywhere? No. No, I'm saying sometimes we try to see everything. Sometimes we try to know everything. Sometimes we try to figure out everything. And that's really not what it's about. It's about trusting every time. It's about believing every time. It's about having faith always. It's about knowing that God is going to lead you even though it doesn't look good at the moment and you can't see at the moment. So after I had read that, I happened to have a very odd, like this is how God does it with me. He gives me lots of real life examples. I was in a park one day and I was hanging out with some friends and we were doing, um, we were just loving on people because we had the time to do it. And I saw, I, I saw a bench and I went and sat down at the bench. So I went and sat down at this bench. And then there, I sit down for not even more than 10 seconds. I'm sitting down on this bench just after I had read that. And then all of a sudden this man comes huffing and puffing. He's like, <sighs> really hot, really hard, really heavy. And he's kind of waddling like this. And he's coming straight at me. And I'm going, oh, man, he needs to sit. And I've got the seat. This works. I was like, he's going to come and I'm going to pray for him. Like, I'm like, ready. I'm like, he's going to come right to me. So he comes and he's like, yeah, can you sit? And I'm like, uh-huh, you can sit. And so I give him the seat. And I go to pray for him. He's like, yeah, you can pray for me. And I pray for him. And he doesn't feel any better at all. And I was like, all right. Because listen, I, there's times I pray the way that the Bible says it should happen. The Bible says raise the dead. The Bible says heal the sick. I've prayed for people and they don't get any better. And that messes me up, man. I don't like that. 
I don't like when you pray and then it doesn't end up the way that this thing says it should. But listen, my standard is that if Jesus was to pray for that person, if Jesus was to go into that room with that dead person on the bed and he said, hey, rise up, or he said, hey, be well, I know that person would be well and I know that person would be raised up. So if Jesus could do it and if Jesus asked the Father to do it, then I'm still growing in my faith. That's my standard. It's never God's will not to heal. Some people say, well, I guess it's my lot in life that I have to live with this pain. I have to live with this infirmity. I have to live with this problem. That's not true, man. Because if that were true, then Jesus Christ dying for our sickness and our sin would be not good. And that doesn't add up with the law. And that's not good. So Jesus died for your sickness and for your pain, and he died for your sin. So that means that it's God's will to heal you. Because if it was God's will not to heal you, then Jesus wouldn't have died for that. But Jesus died for that, and that was God's will. So they have to add up. So it's God's will to heal the sick. And sometimes we get so experientially minded that we start writing all this doctrine. There's so much doctrine out there, books and books and books and books of why people don't get healed. And you look at the story of Jesus and you read it a thousand times over and Jesus never talked like that. Jesus never talked like that. We talk like that because usually most of the time we've been hurt or we have excuses. But this life, this Christian life, this Christian life is not a life built up on excuses. It's a life built up on faith. It's a life built upon belief. It's a life built upon denying yourself and following after the king of kings. This life is about pursuing him, not pursuing what we know. It's about pursuing what we can't see and believing that it will come and be made manifest. It's believing that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and walking in it. It's not believing that maybe it'll come one day or maybe this is just my lot in life to live this way. That's not, that's not what Jesus paid the price for. He didn't pay the price for you to come on a Sunday morning and sit in a chair. He paid a price way, way, way higher. He paid a price so that he could live inside of you, so that the spirit of Jesus could live inside of you, so that when people encounter you, they encounter the spirit of Jesus. It's not an evangelist. It's not like that. That's not how it is. It's not somebody that's an evangelist is the people that reach the world. It's the Christians because Jesus lives inside of you. When people meet you, they should encounter the fullness of the spirit of Jesus. It says in John 1 that in him was the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth. So when people came up to Jesus, they didn't meet just the truth the way that everyone else knew the truth, like that woman at the well in John 4, that woman at the well was about to meet with God for the first time in her life, unplanned, going to a place that she normally goes to, like a Walmart, like an Aldi, like a something like that, and she's going to this place, and all of a sudden, there's Jesus, the fullness of grace and truth, and there he is at the place where she gets her water from, and Jesus goes and starts talking with her, and they have this discourse, and they have this dialogue, and, 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 the, and the woman is going, how are you talking to me? Because there had to have been a highway between where Jesus was going to from Judea to Galilee, which is where he was going. That's a normal route for a normal Jewish man to go. There had to have been a pathway that the Jews would take. But Jesus being Jesus said, we're going to go a different way. We're going to go through Samaria. We're going to go an untracked way. We're going to go to the unlovable people. We're going to go to the disgrace of people. We're going to go to the outcasts of people. And you got to think that the disciples are going, what are we doing? Why are we going this way? You know, I, we know these people, they're full of sin. And Jesus knows they're full of sin because he's full of truth. And he knows the sin and he can see the sin. And when the woman comes up to him, he goes, he goes yeah, bring your husband here and I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you how to get this living water. And the, and the woman goes, well, I don't have a husband. And he goes, yeah, you're right. You've had five. And the sixth one you're with, that's just your boyfriend. And you got to think. This woman is surrounded by people that know that. 
And when people would see that and say that, they would judge her because they know the truth. The truth is that she's had five husbands and she's with a sixth man that's not her husband. But you have to understand that her testimony is recorded twice. And whenever something's recorded twice in the Bible, it's almost like Holy Spirit saying, hey, pay attention to this part. And in John 4, it says the testimony of this woman was that she went into town and she said, come see a man who told me all the things I've ever done. Could this be the Christ? Because what we don't catch in that openly is that this woman didn't just encounter the truth that said, hey, you've been with five husbands and you screwed up this bad. But she met the fullness of truth and the fullness of grace. And the way Jesus spoke to her was not, hey, we'll pretend we didn't see that. We'll pretend that you didn't do that. I saw it, but I'm going to pretend that I didn't see it. You know what I'm saying? I'll give you an extra day. You can be forgiven today. That's not how Jesus is. Sometimes that's what we think grace is like. Jesus sees it, and then he's like, we'll pretend I didn't see that. And we'll just, you can keep going. But Jesus, no. Jesus knew the sin. He called out the sin. He said, no, you've had five husbands. These are like the five worst points. Jesus may have five points about your life this morning. Jesus may have five points about your life this week that he wants to bring up, but he doesn't bring it up to judge you because Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation to anybody in Christ. So he's not coming to condemn you. He's coming to set you free because inside Jesus is the fullness of freedom. So if Jesus is the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth, when the truth was given to this woman, grace was also given to this woman. And this grace that was spoken to this woman was able to tell her the truth about her sin and send her off into a city that then gathered the whole city to come because in that statement of I know what you've done, there was hope in that statement. There was love in that statement. There was a greater passion in that statement. There was a greater thing than the sin. It wasn't just about the sin. It was about the person. And this woman who's been told probably a bunch of times by her friends, hey, why are you doing this? You've had five husbands. You're with a sixth person. And being judged her whole life, finally comes and meets with God unexpectedly. And then all of a sudden God comes and he brings the fullness of truth, but he brings the fullness of grace. And this woman meets the fullness of this and goes to the city and says, come meet a man. Could this be the one? And then they all come and then, and then they say that we believed you on your testimony. And it says it again, that the woman was told everything that she'd ever done, but said, could this be the one? And you see this, this kind of like this truth in Jesus, this spirit in Jesus. And, and Jesus says in, um, in John 8, he says, listen, abide in my word and my word will abide in you and you shall know the truth. And that word know is gnosko for Greek. And it means know by experience, know by encounter that you would know the truth, that you would experience the truth, that you would encounter the truth, that you wouldn't just know about the truth because sometimes we can know about something. We can know an awful lot about, like, let's say a celebrity, Justin Bieber. We can know an awful lot about somebody, or let's say, actually, right now, Donald Trump. Everybody knows a lot about Donald Trump. Everybody knows a lot about him. But sometimes we tend to think of God as, like, knowing about him and not knowing him and not encountering him. And the word Jesus said is, I want you to know and encounter this person. I bet you when you actually would meet Donald Trump, he'd be a lot different than what you would have in your mind. You could rehearse in your mind a thousand times what it would be like to meet Donald Trump, and then all of a sudden you meet Donald Trump, and it's like way different than you ever thought, even though you thought about it a thousand times. 
and all of a sudden you meet this guy, you know, and this guy just absolutely stuns you, you know, and you're like, I did not know he was like this. I didn't know he talked like that. I didn't know he was that tall. I didn't know he was that big. And we sometimes approach God of like knowing about God and not actually knowing God because if I was to put, take a tally and I, do, and, and, I, and I do this everywhere, I'm not going to have a show of hands, but the amount of people that literally get in your word every day and spend time with Jesus every day. The numbers all over the place that I've gone are so low because we don't actually go to find an encounter with Jesus. We go to just get to know more about him and we don't just go to know him. But when you know the truth, it says that the truth shall set you free. This thing is about becoming more free. You know that verse that says, we'll go glory to glory to glory? I like to think of it going from freedom to freedom to freedom to freedom, freer to freer to freer to freer. And we get freer and freer and freer as we live this life. And the more we get set free, the less we have these restrictions inside of us. And the more we can actually be the light and the salt of the earth. And we can actually go out in the world and we can start to love people. So this thing hit my heart and it started hitting my heart and wrecking me. And I started getting undone by this truth and this revelation that I'm free and that I'm loved by my father. And this whole thing of adoption started to hit my heart. And it says in Galatians, it says in Galatians 4 that when the hour had come and the time had come that God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he could set free all those that were under the law. And by his death and resurrection, we were given adoption as sons. And now that we are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into the hearts of man, crying out, Abba, Father. Before I even get on this platform, the spirit of God is inside of me, crying out, Abba, Father. Before you wake up in the morning, the spirit of God is inside of you, already crying out, Abba, Father. Right now in your chair, the spirit of God inside of you is crying out, Abba, Father, on your behalf. Because this whole thing is about walking in sonship and walking in identity. Not just walking as a Christian with a religion, but walking as a, as a son and a daughter with a father. Because Jesus came to show us the Father, not he didn't come to show us another religion. He came to show us the Father. He came to manifest the love of his Father. And so then this revelation hits your heart, and then all of a sudden you're in a Starbucks, right? And you're standing there, and you just know that you're free, and you just know that you're full of love, and you don't need anybody to tell you. And you're just saying, oh my gosh, I know that I'm loved, but I also know that you're loved. God bless you. God loves you. And then all of a sudden you start to reach more people as you're walking. And it's not your comfort zone to speak to people on a natural, but now you feel so compelled and motivated by love. It's not having anything to do with being forced to or being told to. Now this whole thing is about motivation and intimacy instead of obligation and responsibility. And the truth is that Jesus did not come to pay for a price. He didn't pay a price for us to live this life. To go to church on a Sunday, on a Saturday, evangelize, and on a Wednesday. He didn't, man. He paid a price to get his father inside of us. And in John 16, he's like, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send the spirit. It's better for you that I leave you because when I do, I'm going to send my spirit into you and my spirit will guide you and I'm going to send my spirit concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he says, why? And then I think about what his spirit was and I think about how Jesus met that woman at the well and that woman that woman met somebody who knew what was wrong with her, but yet was so set free by the grace that was inside of him. And that same spirit, the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth now lives inside of me. That I'm not just full of just truth. I'm not just full of judgment. I'm full of grace and I'm full of truth. And I carry the spirit of Jesus where I go. And I don't need anybody to tell me to do something. I get to be motivated to do it. I get to give first because I can. 
I get to like go to my restaurant and I get to like, I get to get terrible service sometimes. I said it that way on purpose. I go to a restaurant and I get to have terrible service sometimes. And the waitress or the waiter is like awful. And they're doing a terrible job. And I get to bless them. I get to double my whole bill and give them double my bill. I get to. Because that's just who I've become. It's nothing to brag about. It's nothing to boast about. It's just who we are. We get to make a difference. It does two things. You stop eating out as much. And, <laughs> and the person gets so blessed. And the person goes, oh my gosh, why'd you do that? Oh my gosh, like, I, I didn't deserve that. I'm like, I know. You didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve this either. But God loves you. God loves you. And you need to know how much he loves you. This thing that we get to live, this life, this Christian life that we get to live, it's not just, um, it's not just a, a weekend thing. This isn't just an outfit you wear once, once a week. This is a full contact thing. This is like a full contact sport, man. You get to love people for a living. You get to go out in the world and you get to love people and you get to see people changed. You don't need to go out there and pray for the sick. That's not why. That's not why we're here. We're not here just to pray for the sick. We're here to love people. So this thing hit my heart. And this morning, I was going to share like something completely different, actually. But the Lord kind of just led me to go here this morning. Next week, I'm going to talk about um, practically a lot of the stuff that we do and a lot of this stuff that's in here that, that just like gets rid of every excuse so if you have excuses and you want to keep them, don't come next week. <laughs> don't come. Don't come. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Come. Mark would get me in trouble if I left it at don't come. <laughs> but the truth is this. I just wanted to share a little bit about my heart because I love people. I've fallen in love with people. Because I've fallen in love with Jesus. And because I've fallen in love with Jesus, I love what he loves and I hate what he hates. And I hate sin because it separates people from Jesus. And I love people because that's who he loves. That's what he loves. He loves you. And he loves the people we walk past. And if we would just open up our mouth and be the light and be the truth and be the hope of the world. Let me tell you, Cambridge, this whole city would be changed so fast. So fast you go into the city center, so many people's lives can be changed just that fast as you're shopping, as you're living your normal life. And you just say, hey, God bless you. God loves you. And you just reach out with something that's inside of you from a place of motivation, not a place of have to. Because you don't have to do this. We don't have to do this. We get to do this. We get to live like this. We get to live free. We get to live free in the love of Jesus. That next verse says, and the truth shall set you free. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I've been so free, man. I've been so free for two years now, and there's been nothing that can get to me. Nothing. I've been like unoffendable. It's amazing. I wake up every day, and I wake up with no condemnation. I wake up happy every day. Like I wake up with ready to go. I wake up full of peace. I wake up with no hopelessness. I wake up with hope every day because Jesus, by the time I wake up, he's pleased with me. So what gives me the right to not be pleased with myself? He's already happy with me and I did nothing. I go out into Starbucks and, I'm, and I talk to one person and there was 50. He's still just as happy with me. 
I go into Starbucks, I talk to 51 out of 50 people. And he's still just as happy with me. Because he doesn't need me to do things to be pleased with me. He's pleased with me. But the Bible talks about things that are pleasing to God that we can do. And those are kind of the things that we're going to talk about next week. I don't know what time it is. It's probably like really late. We're probably like really far over. But is this helping anybody? Can I share like a, a testimony or so? And then Is that okay? Man, it's so fun living this life. It's so fun. Um, I was, uh, I'm going to share, I'm going to share a story. I share, I share it a lot because it really, really touched my heart. Like, it really touched my heart. It like kind of uh, burned in my heart. There's some stories like people come up to me and, um, and they'll say, hey, Nathan, you, well, hey, you prayed for me like three years ago. And I'm like, I did? I'm like, wow. You know, I'll totally forget, but there's some things sometimes that like just get etched in my heart because I, I tried remembering I tried remembering um, and writing down testimonies and stuff, but then it got just so much that the Lord just kind of just shared with me. He's like, listen, it's, it's in your heart. Just do it unto me. And so I just stopped worrying about it because I'll be walking down an airport and I'll literally pray and I'll say, God, I don't need another Facebook status. I don't need another testimony. I don't need another number. People aren't just an, an, uh, uh, a story that I can preach from, from the pulpit. They're just next. You just love the person in front of you. I don't go out looking for people to love on. I don't go out looking for people to pray for. I just love the person that's in front of me. I really do. I just literally, I love every person that's in front of me. And if you're in front of me for more than like a minute, you're going to know about the love of Jesus because that's just how it is. That's just how it can be because we just get to do this. We just get to give Jesus to everybody. The Bible says, seek in the secret place and he'll reward in the open. So I figured out if I seek for my father in the secret place and I look for him there and then I'm out in the open and I'm in Walmart or I'm in Morrison's or I'm in Aldi or I'm wherever, all of a sudden I just get to get rewarded with what I sought for in the secret place and the father gives me himself in the public and I just get to give what I was just given to people. And I just get to give my father to people. I get to literally go out into the world and just manifest the father. I love in, uh, in one of Mark's bathroom, uh, <laughs> bathrooms in the house, we call it bathrooms in America. One of the bathrooms in the house, um, you go in there and there's this fragrance thing and it just goes poof. Every time you walk in, every time you walk in the bathroom, and I just thought, I just thought, I, after it happened to me about eight times, <laughs> I just thought to myself, this thing is so consistent. <laughs> it doesn't miss a beat. And I thought, and I thought to myself, that's how we're supposed to be. Because it says in it says in First Corinthians that we are the fragrance of Christ. So everywhere we go, a person comes up in front of you, poof, Jesus. <laughs> every time. Every time. A hundred people, poof, Jesus. <laughs> every time. It's awesome. And so I, I just I love that. And um I was uh, one time I was I was walking in uh, I was walking into a Starbucks and in this in this in this area of like a whole bunch of Christians like like it was uh, the Bible Belt of the United States of America so I don't know if you know that area but like it's so churched it's crazy I actually went into a gas station one time to prove that everybody in that gas station was Christian so I went in there to prove it. So I walked into the gas station, opened up the door, and I told my, uh, the pastor who was driving me, I said, listen, everybody in this whole town believes in Jesus. 
And he's, he goes, I, I don't know. And I was like, I bet you everybody in that gas station, that petrol station, I bet you everybody inside there does. I opened up the door. The whole staff is having a staff meeting. So I hesitated for a second, but then I went for it. I opened up the door and I was like, everybody. They all looked at me. I was like, God loves you all so much. Have an awesome day. And they were all like, amen. <laughs> I walked out of the petrol station. And I said, I said, yep, they're all Christian. He goes, yep, they are. They're all Christian. And so I'm in this area, right? So I'm expecting most people to kind of believe in Jesus, you know, for the most part. And I'm ordering, a, um, I'm at Starbucks ordering a caramel macchiato and I'm literally mid order. And I'm, and I'm like, I would like a caramel. And then God says, talk to the person in the corner of the room with blue hair. She's dealing with depression and is following her like a shadow. Caramel macchiato. And she's like, what was that? A caramel macchiato. And uh, I, I, my, it was so weird that I said it so oddly that my friend said, what did you say? And I was like, I was like um, I'll tell you about it when we get our coffee. And so I, I, the, 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 the woman took my order and I said, hey, does your back hurt? And she's like, yeah, my back hurts. And I'm like, here, take my hand. Why? Just do it. Just take my hand. She's like, okay. In the name of Jesus, I pray that your back pain would go. How's your back? That's weird. There's no more pain. Huh. Wow, thank you. God bless you. I'm like, you're Christian. Everybody's Christian. And so I, so I went and sat down, and uh, I got my coffee, and I'm telling my friend, I'm like, listen, man, the girl over there, she's dealing with depression. Do you see her with the blue hair? And he's like, yeah, 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 I do. She's hanging out with her friends. They're kind of like emo, kind of like they're all got like gauges. They're wearing really black clothes. They're like kind of like, you know, all, they're, all their hair's dyed and stuff. They're, you know. And I'm like, yeah, God loves them. He's like, yeah, God loves them. And I'm like, yeah, let's go talk to them. And so we finished up our coffee, and I'm like, I only have this to tell him. And he goes, okay, tell him. So I'm walking up, and I go, hey, um, I don't know which one of you three it is, but one of you guys is dealing with depression, and it's following you like a shadow, and you're dealing with anxiety, and your heart's really heavy. And, and then I kept winking at the girl with the blue hair so she would know that I, would like, that I was talking to her. I kept giving her eye contact. And... Um, I'm like, but don't tell me who it is because I don't want you to be embarrassed in front of your friends. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sharing this, and, and, and then I speak a little bit more. We talk with them. I give them my Instagram and all that stuff, right? And I'm, and I'm on my way out, and I'm on my way out of the Starbucks the way I usually leave a Starbucks, and it's like this. It's like, God bless you. God loves you. Have an awesome day. God bless you. Have an awesome day. God loves you. Have a great day. I love your outfit. God bless you. And literally, that's just how I walk down an airport or, or into a mall or anywhere because just we can, <laughs> We, we just, we can. It doesn't take any more effort than going to go shopping anyway. So I figured I'd just tell people. So I'm walking out and this one guy goes, are you Christian? And I'm like, yeah, I'm Christian. He's like, he's like, what kind of Christian are you? And I'm like, uh, I believe in Jesus. Like, I'm like, you know, and, and this guy goes, well, I'm a pastor from Ireland and I've planted 70 churches and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. So I start talking to him, right? And this guy's talking to me. He's, he's giving me trivia. And I'm like, this guy just needs to, to like breathe. And uh, this guy needs to just love people. And so I'm talking to him for about five minutes, trying to just share with him, right? And then all of a sudden, this is why I'm really happy that that guy stopped me. All of a sudden, this girl comes up and she taps my shoulder and she goes, Nathan. And I turn around and her mascara is running and she's crying, this, this, this girl with the blue hair. She's alone from her friends. She came outside, ran after and uh, I guess she was watching me from the window still outside, and it kind of like was in her heart to go or not. She went for it, came, touched me on the shoulder, stopped me, and she said, she said, Nathan. And then she kind of like was having a hard time getting it out. And I was like, what's going on? 
Like I was like, you know, got really, you know how it gets really serious really fast? We got really serious. And in in back of my mind, I'm like late because I need to go lead worship. So I'm 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 already late. I'm already 10 minutes late. So I'm like going, what's going on? And um and I was gonna let me share this with you. Because this is a truth. People are not the inconvenience. Your program and your agenda is. Me needing to be on time to lead worship early and all that stuff, I could have just said, you know what, I don't have time. I can't talk to anybody in Starbucks today. I'm already five minutes late. I gotta go. But people are not the inconvenience. My gotta go, that's the inconvenience. I've been late for planes. I've been late for stuff at the cost of people. But let me tell you, every single time, it's been so worth it. Real lives changed. Real lives changed. And even if a life wasn't changed, my life was. Because every time I share the truth of Jesus, I'm listening. So every time I get to share, my own soul is listening to me speak, and I get re-encouraged every time I get to speak. So after this, after this morning, I'm going to be more encouraged in the afternoon because you listen to what you say. Anyway, so this, so this girl comes up to me, and she goes, um, she goes, the person you were talking about with the depression, that was me. And I'm going, yeah, I know. That's why I kept looking at you. And she goes, that's funny. I thought, I, I, th- I thought you were looking at me like the whole time. And I'm like, well, God was looking at you the whole time. And, he, and, and she's, she's just breaks. When I said God was like, she just breaks. And she's like, oh my gosh. And I'm going like, what's going on? My friend and I are like going like, what, what's, what's going on? Everybody in Starbucks at the outside, they're all kind of like looking like this girl's crying. And she's like, I cannot believe that you said that, that God loves me. She's like, I told God to show me that he was real, but he didn't. And I'm like, what's going on? And I can count the number of times on my hands, the amount of times this has happened. And she came up to me and she said, I tried to kill myself last night. I took, what, however, like 60 pills, whatever the, whatever the pills were, 60 pills of this and 20 pills of this. And I, was, I thought I was never gonna wake up this morning. But when I woke up this morning, I hated the fact that I was still alive. And I was gonna just kill myself tonight too. She's crying. And I just give her a hug. I'm like, it's okay. You don't, have to, you don't have to take your life. You can give it to somebody who wants it. And she gave her life to Jesus. And she got saved. She got plugged into a church. I'm still for connected with her on Instagram. She's reading the Bible now. She has joy now. She doesn't want to kill herself now. She's plugged in with a youth group now. Because I was willing to, on the way out of a Starbucks, say, hey, God loves you. And if you're dealing with depression, I want you to know God's with you. Who knows what would have happened with that woman? I don't, with that young girl. She was about 17 years old. I don't know what would have happened. I really don't know. There's been multiple times where stuff like that's happened. And I know it's kind of heavy, but it's the reality of it. You have the power walking into your Marks and Spencers to get your lunch. You have the power. It lives inside of you to change a life that you don't know is dealing with suicide. Listen, the people dealing with suicide, most of the time, they're not out in the alleyway, you know, hating themselves. They're walking around in a suit and tie and you can't see it on their face. And you just don't know unless you speak up and you say something. Well, Nathan, I'm not really good at talking to people. It's okay. You don't have to be. Love them. Fall in love with them and then say something out of that love. Respond out of that love. Just love them. Literally, just love them. If you could just love them, you wouldn't be so offended by them. 
Because love doesn't take offense easily. First, first Corinthians 13. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love covers a multitude of sin. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. God is love. And then Jesus said this. He said to, he said to us, in, the, to, to the man, he said, what is the fundamental commitment of this whole law? What is it? What is the essence of the law? And Jesus goes in Matthew twenty-two thirty-eight. 38, he goes, or 37, he says, the essence of the law is to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love people. In Galatians says, by faith, we become the righteousness of God. By faith, by faith, nine times on the ninth time. In Galatians 5, 12, it says, but only one law fulfills all of them, and that is to love one another. John, 2 John, dear lady, I write to you no new commandment, but what you've known since the beginning. And that commandment is this, that you would hyphen love one another and walk in that. In, in 2 Corinthians 11, I'm going to close with this. Paul, um, Paul's writing this, and he, he says, listen, bear with me, and, and indeed you bear with me, that I would um, present you to God as a, as a chaste virgin, as one having never been with the world to Christ. As somebody who had never been, never slept with the world, completely free, completely free from the way that the world does this to Christ, but I do worry over you that you would not be deceived as Eve was deceived and forget the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. We make this thing so complicated sometimes. We make this so overwhelmingly daunting. I can't tell you the amount of times I take people out on the streets and they're so daunted by like talking to people, they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. And we make this thing so hard and so scary and so legalistic, but really there's one law and that one law is that you would love one another and everything you do be motivated out of that. And so when I walk up to people, I walk up to atheists and I walk up to agnostics, okay? And I walk up to them, and, 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 and naturally they want to just tell me to go away, like maybe um, Jehovah Witness or, or a Mormon. And they want to tell me to go away. I've told people to go away before. But when you go up to them and you're so overwhelmed and consumed by love that you're willing to give them everything you have. When you're willing, when you're willing to walk up to somebody and give them your shoes, your money, your phone, your coat, everything, and you walk up to somebody willing to give. Like I walk up to people and I look in them in the eye and I'm like, hey. And they don't know why they're saying hi and why they're still talking to me. I walk up to people sometimes and I'm like, I love your outfit, and they don't know why they want to talk to me. It's because when I said I love your outfit, I'm willing to give you everything I have. Because that's how Jesus came. Jesus came willing and he, then he did. And now I do. I give everything I have because I have nothing. I have nothing but this one thing, this love from the Father. And it breaks my heart. On the way here to Cambridge, I saw a woman at a lottery ticket thing at a petrol station and I'm getting out of the van and I'm getting out of the van and I just, I see her and then I'm walking to the van and I just notice I'm just crying. And I had walked 
to the petrol station really slow to kind of stop me from crying because I'm just falling in love with this woman just getting a lottery ticket. And then all of a sudden the, the, the Lord just said, I think she's wonderful. And I walked up to her and I'm like literally like weird looking as, like, as you can imagine. And I'm like, God thinks you're wonderful. She looked at me and she was like, and she looked at, she was like, what? And then she looks at me in the eye and she's like, thank you. And she starts to cry herself and she's like, that made my day. Now I continued walking and I'm still trying to stop crying. Because when you fall in love with people, man, this thing isn't complicated. Like I'm not going to go evangelize today. I didn't go evangelizing yesterday. I just live every day. Like we're going to go get lunch after this and I, if I see somebody out there, or if I happen to see one of you, I'm going to go up to you. I'm going to just love you. I'm just going to tell you God loves you. I'm going to do it tomorrow, and I'm going to do it Tuesday, and I'm going to do it every day. Until, boom, I'm present with Jesus. Because we have something to give this world. We really do. I'm going to share one more really quick story, because I know I told you I was closing four times. I keep trying to, but the Lord's just like bringing things up for me to talk about. Hmm. Is this helping? You s okay. I just want you guys to be normal. <laughs> I really do, man. It's my prayer. It's my prayer that we would just be normal. Sometimes people come, come up to me and they're like, Nathan, you're the real deal, man. You're the real deal. And I, I'm like, I, I just break at that one. I break at that one because I'm like, I understand what you're trying to say. But you're the real deal too. Like Jesus died for you, man. Like he died for you. Like you're the real deal. So uh, I'm going to share this one because this is a very easy one. This is a practical one. And um, oh man, Lord help me. <laughs> I'm a... Uh, I'm getting, um, oh man, okay, all right. So I'm getting a movie. I'm going to make both of these really fast. <laughs> I'm getting a movie. I'm, I'm getting a movie, and I'm, and, 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 I'm, and I'm at the stand getting my movie out of the automatic thing. There's a guy behind me, really big guy, really big, big, big man. And I'm very small. I'm very tiny, actually. And I looked over at him, and I was like, hey, man, God bless you as I'm getting my movie. He's like, I'm an effing Satanist. And he showed me his tattoo of Satan on his forearm. And I'm going, this guy's going to kill me. <laughs> this big man's going to kill me. And I got really close to the thing to get my movie out. And I'm like, I can literally feel him breathing behind me. And I'm going, oh my. And, and I'm in a public, so that's like a Morrison's. So I'm like in Morrison's. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. So I get my movie, and I'm like, get out of there. I'm like, have a good day. And so I went, but I still had to go grocery shopping. So I go get my groceries, and I'm at the till now, and the person's like doing the, um, the groceries for me. She's putting them in bags. And then all of a sudden, I look at the, at the exit, and there's the guy with his movie standing right there at the exit waiting for me, <laughs> looking at me. And I'm going, oh, man, this isn't good. And I'm sitting there going, I'm looking for the nearest adult male 
I'm serious. Like, that's how scared I was. I was like, this isn't good. But I had given the guy a word while I was standing at the movie thing. I was like, is your back hurting? You know, and so I asked him. He's like, no. And, uh, and so I get up to the exit thing, and I got my groceries, and I'm like ready to walk past him. Like, I'm like looking down, and then the guy goes, hey. And I was like, yeah. I was like, and he's like, I want to talk to you. And I'm like, I know. I figured he did. And, uh, and um, he's like, how did you know my back was hurting? And I kind of was like, I kind of got like a puffed up my chest a little bit. I was like, oh. And I kind of like felt a little better. I was like, well, Jesus, he loves you, man. He's like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> he's like, that's crazy. And I was like, yeah, I want to see something crazier. And he's like, crazier? I'm like, give me your hand, man. And I took the hand with the tattoo. He was going to give me his right hand, but the tattoo was on the left hand. So I said, no, give me your left hand with the tattoo. And I took his tattoo, and I flipped it over, and I looked at Satan right there. And I was like, in the name of Jesus, there's no binding on this man at all. I pray that back pain would leave him, that this demonic thing would leave him in the name of Jesus. He goes, oh, my gosh. What just happened? And I'm like, is your back hot? It's like, it's really, really hot. I'm, and this is a big dude. I'm like, yeah, because God loves you, and he just healed you back. And the guy's like, that's crazy. And then he, li- he leaves. He leaves, and it was raining, and he just walks out into the rain, not to a car, just walks out in the parking lot. I looked at this guy walk off, and I was like, I'm like, I'm like, like I'm like, okay, that was hard. That was crazy. I'm like, wow. And, uh, and, 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 I, and I just remember that, and I, was, and I was going, I was like, God, why did that happen? And he's like, he's like I knew you were going to say that to him, so I put him right behind you. And I'm like, you put that guy right behind me? He's like, yeah, because no one else was going to say something to him. And that day, that day, I realized that when I go into places, God, God knows I'm going to go into an elevator, a lift, and I'm going to be like, I went in with Natalia yesterday, or two days ago, and I said, Natalia, she was like, hey, I think we need to take the elevator. And I was like, okay you know what's going to happen in that elevator, right? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. So we go in the elevator, and so everyone gets in there, and I'm like, hey, guys, how are you all? God loves all of you. And so we're sitting in the elevator, and it's, you know, we're just having an awkward fun time. And, uh, and we're, just going up, we're just going up, and we just love all the people in the elevator. We get out and stuff, and it's just awesome because I know that wherever I go, I get to give this love to people. And um, this is the last story. And um, I wanted to share, the reason why I wanted to share that one was because if, if you start to do this, God will trust you with certain people, and he'll put people in your path that no one else can reach, that no one else would reach, and, um, and he'll do it. He'll let God be God. You just be, love people. You just love them. And um, so I'm getting my coffee at Starbucks again. This is a Starbucks thing, so most of you guys, if you guys get coffee, if you do this, this is doable for you. I get up to the register. I've talked to the people in line. It was a long line. I'm in the Bible Belt again, so everybody I talked to in line, was indeed a Christian, and it, we were having a good time, but, you know, I was looking for people that don't believe in Jesus to share, and um, I get up to the thing, and before, um, before I order, I've got my $5 bill out, and, um, and I go, I would love a pumpkin spice latte, <laughs> venti, and I was like, I'm in a good mood today, and, um, and, and, I, and I, before, I, before I got up to that, I was, this is what I was thinking in my mind. That's what I want to get. Before I got up, I get up, and instead of saying pumpkin spice latte, I said for some odd reason, hey, God loves you, thinks you're beautiful, and he made you perfectly, and he's with you, and he's never going to leave you, and I hope you're having a good day, and I'd like a pumpkin spice latte, venti, and I gave her my $5 bill. And she goes, huh, you're going to, like, take me back. And I go, I, I, I go well, yeah, because God loves you, and I shared a few more things with her, just a little bit. God loves you, you know? Just a little bit. She goes, 
She starts to cry. She takes my $5, leans in real close to the register, to me, holds my $5, crinkles it up in her hand. True story. She goes, we see a thousand people a day and no one does what you just did. I've been so depressed. Took the $5, threw it at me, said, this one's on us. I wish I could do more. And, and I was like, huh. I was really taken back because I, all I said was, God bless you, really. And I thought it to myself out of the, the, the and this is what really, hit, this is what hit me. Out of the thousand people that she says that she sees a day, easy, 500, 600 of them are Christian. Every day, day after day, after day, after day. No one says anything. It's a simple story. It's not hard. It's not like, you know, telling someone to come out of a wheelchair, you know. It's just loving them. So my, my challenge to you, my prayer is that you guys would be, if you guys feel like, you know, this hasn't been you and that maybe you've been living this life and you've just been like, it's, you know, it just hasn't been working. Like, listen, if the shoe fits, if that's what's been, kick it off, man. That's not who you are. You're the light of the world. You're the hope. God has so much faith in you that when you walk into these places, you're going to say something. He has, think about that. We have faith in God, but God has faith in you. He didn't choose Paul and Peter to live right now. He chose you. He chose you sitting in this chair right now. He didn't choose Smith Wigglesworth for now. He chose you for right now. Smith Wigglesworth started in his 60s. There is no too late. Start loving people. And we can change this city. We can change this nation. We can change how people view Christianity. And we can start to be the love of God on the earth and see lives changed everywhere we go because our life has been so changed.